were you waiting for? Did you have a thought that you wanted to finish before we no. before we started? <laughs> I've I've wait, just been waiting for you. You were waiting for me. Yeah, well, I was waiting for you. <laughs> well, you had all sorts of did things I, 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 you were talking. No, it was just a couple of little fragmentary, detail-oriented yeah. uh, uh, party favors, small little crumbs of uh, giblets of uh, you know uh, innards from. Crumbs of uh, giblets? From various corpses that uh, <laughs> had laying around the office and thought I should probably deal with them. Because, you know, things get musty up there, you know, and, you know, when you find a piece of food that's turned blue, you know, you kind of go, hey, maybe I should deal with this. You know, I should talk to Diane. I should say, hey, Diane, what do you want to do with this blue food? <laughs> you know, things like that. All as a preamble to the it's. 9.24 a.m. Saturday, March the 19th, 2022. I'm Bill. <laughs> I saw you stumbling over the year there. 20, 20, I almost said 2020. I was like, what the heck? 2022, I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. We're going back in time. Yes, that's right, friends. <laughs> It's, it's March 19th, 2020, and you are there. <laughs> <sighs> well, what are you going to do? You know, it's like 9.30, and, you know, and I still feel like I'm half asleep. What's the deal uh, with that? I just think it's the time change. Oh, know? yeah, let's blame that. Yeah. Well, I do think it It's not my foggy it, it brain. Takes... It's not my... No, I think that, that takes a while and, for know. everybody to get... Well, I've just noticed a general trend of the show starting later and later. Yeah. Also, the audio blog, you know, I used to, I used to, I was listening to some old audio blogs the other day. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. I used to walk like at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, you were working I know, too. but jeez. Ah, eggs. What the heck? How did I, how did I think that was going to be healthy? <laughs> I don't. I don't think I was thinking about health that much in those days. No. But it kind of caught up to me, didn't it? Yeah. It, did. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Well, it's been, I would say this has been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. I, I would say so too. Yes. Uh, why don't you uh, give us a little bit, a couple of the highlights there, Diane? You seem to be the highlight reel this week. Wow. How, I'm, I've been wondering, how is Diane going to summarize these events? So. Well, it all has to do with retirement. Yeah, I know. And uh, I have really been experiencing a lot of waves of emotion. Uh, and it mainly has started because of the proximity of the date of my retirement. And I actually was, I went through and saw the number of working days right. that I even had left. Right. And realized that it's almost three months before my retirement date. And I needed to write my letter of retirement, which I did, my official notification. Right. People have actually known in my group that I was going to retire at this time since I joined the group. Right. So it was no surprise. Um, but I was noticing that a lot nobody's really changing anything. And I've been really nervous about that because I keep thinking, man, this is, they know I'm going to retire, but I don't know that they know what's going to happen right. when I retire. And 
So I was feeling a little fretful about that. I trying think to... if I can interject. Yeah. What needs to be clear is that you're not the only one retiring. You're not one of the only one of the old guard that's retiring. But what is what goes with you and these other people who are retiring is all the accumulated knowledge that you've had. Yeah, well, yeah, because there are two <coughs> other people who I have always checked in with throughout my um, throughout my job at the university mm-hmm. uh, because they had also been there a long time. Um, one of my compatriots was there for 22 years. Another was there for 48 years, and she was the person that was my, my true... Uh, touchstone for a lot of things we were each other's and it i was surprised and quite astonished actually that they were retiring the same month as me one the my compatriot of (laughs) the long-term compatriot of 48 years is retiring on the same day and the other person is retiring earlier in the month and i was just thinking oh my gosh all this institutional knowledge is right. going out the door, right. and yeah. in actuality, the um, the person who told me uh, that she was retiring in early June, she said, um, "I'm just curious how much, how many years of institutional knowledge are walking out the door with just us three, yeah. and it was 108 years." You know, so I was just like, geez. And that, you know, despite your best efforts, I'm sure on all three of your parts, you have not been able to pass that knowledge on because it takes that number of years to accumulate that amount of knowledge. And people are not staying in jobs anymore long right. enough to accumulate any of the knowledge. So, And I feel like over this, this past six months, I've been trying to tell people that that they are going to have a a problem (laughs) and in a way i've been feeling like chicken little you know um because it's really difficult when you've got one person who can talk you out of anything who's who's been in the job long enough and when that person is gone and you have no other person that, that is knows what to that do. knows what to do yeah. i was thinking so i was very i was very uh, aware this week that no one is staying around in jobs long enough you know like in our team i started five years ago and i feel still like five years is a pretty small amount of time on a team yeah. but that is not true with the uh, with the younger generation. Right. And I was thinking, man, these systems are so complex. Complex to the point because you have to know the policy that is involved in everything you do before you do the actions in the software system that is an HR It is also a labyrinthian piece of software if yeah and you if you don't saying so. it is and you if you don't go down the right rabbit hole it it can you can waste an hour you know and then and if you find make a out mistake and it gets passed up the line and then the mistake is caught three steps up the line you have to back it out take about a, the same amount of time to back it out as you did yeah. to put it in incorrectly and then resubmit it 
So this was really on my mind, and then um, there was another triggering event that I don't really need to go into that made me realize that I'm panicked, that the people don't know more right. at this stage right. because I was thinking... I've done. I've written up all the materials. I've done everything I could possibly do to cushion the blow. And but unless you know it, unless you have memorized it, you'll never be able to to do it quickly or as fast as you need to during right. the busy times. And because and, that's part of what bringing yeah. this new piece of software on uh, has done. Not only is it designed to keep everybody in compliance, but it also is designed to speed up all these processes. You know, and have us have a central database for everything. You know, kind of thing. And so. before this time, I I always thought, well, if something happens, I can, I can come back after retirement and help out. You mm -hmm. know, I can, I can come in and just do some work during certain times when it's really busy. And you know, ugh. I. But then I just thought, but then I'm just putting a bandaid on everything, right. and so I was really, really troubled about this this week and I actually think that it's a it's a difficult thing that people don't really tell you all the emotional content of a retirement because yeah. a lot of times people don't even think about it until <clears throat> after they've retired or but I feel like I've really been as you said, riding the wave of all the emotional ups and downs. You've been preparing yeah. for this like you prepare for everything. But you have, you're, I, mean, I remember when you and I first got together 14 years ago, you would talk about how, you know, you wanted to be able to write manuals uh, so that when you, when you did retire someday, people would know how to do the job that you had been doing and that some, and that the things that you know that they don't know would be there for them to find or to look for, and it would be somehow, but I mean, what has become clear with the coming of the Workday program is that these things are so complex. Every individual on campus has a different set of factors that have to be, it's, so it's not just like well, you can group people and do batches of things. It's like you have to do everything for each individual one at a time. The other thing that is happening in, in all, it be, I want to make this less specific to me and more generalized to everybody because what's happening is that, it, in my view, the younger generation uh, has very different work ethic style than we did. And that is always true in every generation. Right. And there is nothing wrong with it. In fact, you know, it's really caused me to question my own um, ways of doing my work throughout a lifetime because um, I always put in many, many more hours than were you know, than I uh, regular work week. I I stressed over things. I was always following things, and it seems like we grew up uh, in an era wherein if you were getting a salary. It changed the whole your whole idea about your job. It meant that you were more always on duty than if you were just an hourly person. Well, you, know? you felt like you were a professional, right? You know that this and was so that this was this a, is your under your jurisdiction of responsibility. And higher you needed demand to take care. being put on yeah. you, and you know it's yeah. And I have loved my work at the university. It's just been a real 
interest it's been an interesting job but yeah. always has been but i have the natural desire to research things and have done so over my entire career there there are volumes of information out there i don't need to write anything more i've written everything and everything is changing all the right, time right. you know there isn't anything that stays put anymore Every week we get something new that we have to incorporate into our knowledge base. and But this week I really crashed on it um, because I just started feeling like, oh my God, three months from now, at this point, it's 57 or 58 days I have left of working days. And I just felt like, how is everybody going to manage? And for some reason, I am always thinking that I'm responsible for what happened yeah. in this. I almost feel like, well, I sold these people a bill of goods at the interview because I was saying, you know, I love my job, this is a great team, blah, 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 which is absolutely true. Right. All of that is true. Yeah. But I was not telling them, and I am retiring, and, you know. So it really crashed down upon me this week, and on um, Thursday... I just was really going through a dark night of the soul uh, because I, I felt badly about what was going to happen. I knew I couldn't do anything about it. And, uh, and I felt very charged up with emotion. So I did a tarot reading. Now, those of you who know me know that I really find the tarot to be a fascinating archetypal practice and I always say that I don't really use it as an oracle but I do Mm. I mean I I just feel like when you say that to people that they go roll their eyes you know but I have always felt that when I am under when I feel charged up with emotion uh, the the cards that I choose really help me out they help me uh, out of the funk that I'm in. I have witnessed this for 14 years, ladies and gentlemen, so she speaks the truth. It's almost like uh, like you're asking for outside guidance, and the guidance is provided, no matter... And one of the things I've always thought is interesting is that I almost feel like guidance is provided if you ask for it. And... Uh, but you have to be willing to take it in and really consider what you what you do. So I just do a two-card draw now. Um, and uh, I was fascinated by the one card I chose, which was the Eight of Cups. I was particularly interested that I pulled the Eight of Cups because I had taken a tarot class at one point, and the teacher had asked us to... Uh, just choose whatever card we'd like and for just five minutes write down any observations we had of this card. And when was this class? Um, let's see. Wow. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it was May of 2020 that I took this class. Okay. And... I always related to, 
if people don't know about the tarot, it's really interesting because the suits of the cards, the swords, the wands, the pentacles, and the cups, cups they are describing a journey through life. And the the different uh, the different suits have different focuses. So, for example, the swords is thought and conflicts. The wands is ambitions and drives. The pentacles is material resources, and the cups journey is the realm of emotions. So, I am a Scorpio. And that's a water sign. And I also really relate to the realm of emotions the most. So I've always related to the suit of cups. And I have for a long time thought that the journey through cards is actually plotting out the kind of the way that a life's journey will go with that. So to pull the eight of cups made me feel like I'm pulling my state of mind at this part of my journey right. uh, in the realm of emotions. And so when I had written about this originally, um, I, I'm just going to read a little bit of uh, what this one person wrote about what the card looks like, So because it describes it really well. Um, it's like a scene from a storybook. A red-cloaked figure, staff in hand, climbs a rocky shoreline beneath a watchful moon. The destination is unclear, but we know the sacrifice they leave behind. Eight cups full of the past. Eight cups of life lessons and experiences. By forsaking the familiar, the accounted for, even the rational, we shall encounter magic and mysteries. So it's basically a card that, that as it says, there's a red-cloaked figure walking away from some cups that are in the foreground, there's even a, a creek or a river that is separating the cups from the person. And the, you do not even see the person's face. They're, they're heading out. There's a, I, well, I'll just read what I had written at the time of the tarot. So what I said was, is the cup bearer walking away, turning away from the cups he has accumulated, adventuring off to the mountains to become a hermit? He has the staff, but not the severe outfit of the hermit. He's wearing red. Sun and crescent moon, or moon full and crescent, must be moon because of the expression of mystery. Full and crescent moon, all in one image. Is the cupbearer disappointed with the earthly plane? At this stage in the journey, it certainly can be so. But the next card, the Nine of Cups, shows someone who is much more adjusted to the earthly plane and is balanced. And the final card is the fulfillment of what all cups most desire, love, family, happy home. But, so I, I, I first was amazed that I had pulled a card that I had actually written about myself, right. that, I had, that had fascinated me. And it made me realize that... Um, that this has been my path for a little while and that I'm kind of that at that state that I would pull that card. And so I was astonished to read a lot of things about this card, but, um, but it talked about the dark night of the soul, which I definitely felt that I was 
experiencing. And it said that this dark night of the soul is an ordeal of purification, not torment. It's a stripping away, a leaving behind of what one once knew in order to gain something much more precious. It's an escape from, but it's also a journey toward. And uh, the other thing that really floored me <laughs> was that um, the eight of a suit is, the key word is realization. So the realization in the realm of emotions is what you've realized here is that you're done. Overwhelmed and saturated, you now know it's time to move on. And then the woman wrote, in readings, I've found it's one of those cards clients greet with a sigh of recognition. It usually turns up when folks are truly, deeply, profoundly ready to walk. And I thought, whoa. I mean, I was absolutely floored by that pull. And so uh, I wanted to talk to my my supervisor uh, because I was concerned about something that was happening within our team, and I wanted so much to tell her about all the issues that I see coming down. I feel like I've been telling her, but I almost felt like I was uh, I wasn't being heard. But uh, I actually spoke to my brother on the day that I was going to talk to my supervisor, which was yesterday. And he, in relating a story that was totally outside of my situation, he was talking about this man who uh, was dealing with a problem. I'm, I'm just going to say I don't need to tell the problem uh, verbatim. And he said that the man had said, that he was going to leave the problem to the next generation because I don't have the imagination or vision for what comes next. And I said, Gary, repeat that again. I don't have the imagination. You know, I was, and so I started scribbling it down yeah. because I just felt like that, that is the crux of what I've been feeling. I'm dealing with an old paradigm that is falling apart and I can't do anything about it. Whatever is going to happen, I can't foresee it. The The younger people will have to make this work because it's it's being caused by something that is happening within their generation, not mine. You know, our generation, most of the people that I know stayed with the same jobs they had for years that they really wanted to get to the next level of understanding about their job. But now, and once again, no judgment on this, just stating the facts. The younger people I know don't stay in jobs. They want to move to the next level before they get the the knowledge uh, down the way that we would get it. The knowledge isn't really the point anymore. Right, it's yeah. it's they they move around a lot. So right. I was thinking, how is this going to work? I just don't have the vision and or imagination to see it through. Yeah. It's not my generation's role. Right. So it will work out, but we just can't imagine it. Yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> but the other thing that my brother told me that this guy said that really helped me as well was that he said that there was used to be this game called Blockhead. 
And I've looked the game up since my brother told me about it. It's, it's got a, it's a stacking game, but it's a variety of shapes and, so it isn't just like blocks like right. a Jenga. Right. It's odd shapes that you have to put together in odd ways, and each person has to take a turn. Adding a piece. Adding a piece, and you add it as as far as it'll go up, and at some point it falls and then everybody yells blockhead you know um and i was i was thinking that's where we are right now i mean we are we have set our our final block before it falls and there's it's going to have to be rebuilt there isn't any way that i can be present for the rebuild right because the rebuild is necessary because of your absence right so your presence is is not going to aid the rebuild so I was able to talk to my manager the next day and really be heard. Uh, we only had a half an hour, but I really thought this through, right. thought it through with you. We both talked about it a lot, the key points that I needed to bring up. And and it was such a sense of closure um, when I talked to her because then I realized that no matter if I would come back at some point and help them out or... Uh, it would only help them for just a little bit more. They have to go start going it would into just the new. Only kind of prolong the the old. Yeah, exactly. The new to enter in. And that was something I even said. I said, you know, I always thought that I could help out maybe or do something afterwards, but now I'm beginning to think it would hurt more than help. Yeah. Sort of like a parent who's just hovering over their adult child. You know, yeah. whatever you've learned from me, you've learned from me, and now I must leave. And she said that she just wanted, all she wanted from me is to deal with myself. She said, you know, I know, because she was also very emotional as well. We're really good friends as well as wonderful colleagues. We built this thing together. And so we were both crying. and, um, And basically, she just said, you know, I have the same dedication to the job as you do. And... And but at the end, it's just a job, you know. It's not something that you can devote everything to, and you can't feel bad about leaving. So I would just want you to do what you need to do to feel like you've adequately wrapped it up. And and then I realized, well, you'll never be able to wrap it up. I mean, I think it's it's odd. Well, you can't adequately wrap it up because right. it's not well, yours to wrap up. Well, but not only that, it's it's an ongoing job. Right. You never can wrap up an ongoing job. You just have to pass it off. And I've passed it off as as well as I can, and I'm going to continue in these last three months to train the people who are staying, but... But man, I really went through emotional turmoil. I mean, I was, um, I was present for it all, and I did not mind it. You know, I felt like, yeah, of course you're gonna feel this rip when you have had a job for thirty-three years. Right. You know, you're not gonna just say, oh, I'm just done. Well, maybe I. I think that there are two different camps that I have observed through my talking to people, um, people either hated their jobs so much that they were eager to get out and it was just like, oh, thank God that's done. Mm -hmm. Or they love their jobs and they feel guilt 
ridden about leaving it because if you love your job still, you do have a sense of obligation towards it. And also, you know, it, it, it defines you. You know, it, right. it is a huge part of your identity and has been for a long time. So. But I just, uh, I felt by the time I had the conversation with my manager and I had just thought, I can't do anything more. Yeah. I cannot. Yeah. I've got to let the next paradigm start with new imagination and vision that I cannot have. Um, it was a startling revelation to me and made me feel like, ah, I've solved this mental problem that I have not been able to solve so far. Because I think I was always in my mind thinking, well, whatever problems they have, I'll, I'll solve them. I'll make it okay, you know. So I called my, my colleague who uh, is going to be the one that has this all come down on her um, and told her that I would, you know, do whatever I could to advise them from the outside, but that I was going to be done, you know. And, and she was really, um, I mean, I know she's worried about it, but she just said, Diane, you know, I'm, I'm fine. We'll, we'll be okay. And that made me feel better too. So anyway, I feel like I've talked a lot about retirement on the show, but it's the phase of life that we're both kind of in. I've had yeah. a, I've had a journey right alongside you. I had a, I have a small story to tell. If anyone has seen my uh, most recent cover photo on Facebook, it's a picture of a guitar case full of poetry books. I was talking to my friend, uh, Alan Hicks, a friend that I've known since college. We've known each other for 40-some years and, and uh, have been through a lot together. And uh, I was telling him, you know, because I've been losing some capability with my hands. I can play three songs impeccably. By the fourth song, I start to feel my hands are starting to seize up not I don't even know how to describe what happens to them but they just lose coordination you know I'll, I'll go to the wrong chord and even it's a song I've played 7,000 times and I suddenly I'm playing the wrong chord and don't even know that I'm going to it's just I end up there or miss the chord entirely and that's my left hand my right hand just starts to not either be able to keep the rhythm or my finger picking gets messed up something happens and if I, I can usually struggle through a fourth song, but that's about all I can do. And then I need to stop for a while. So I've been trying to think, you know, if I'm going to perform live in these little cafes and bookstores and places where I've been playing over the years, which I want to keep doing, how do I do that if I can only play a certain number of songs, you know, at any given time? So I've been thinking, you know, poetry, poetry. I would love to be able to incorporate poetry into my live shows the way I was doing in the treehouse. Right. But I told Alan, I was talking to Alan about this, and I said, I'd love to be an evangelist for poetry that I love, that has meant a lot to me. Not, I'm not just talking about my own stuff, but right. cover, cover poems, you know, cover poems, other people's stuff. And, uh, but, I, you know, the idea of walking into a place like an open mic or something like that, without a guitar case in my hand, it just, I don't know that I could do that. And he said, well, shit, just get a guitar case and fill it up with poetry books. And I was like, wow. I'd never thought of it that way. You know, why not? So I did it. 
And I didn't use any of my existing guitar cases because I didn't want to offend any of my guitars. Hey, you're going with the case, but you're not taking me? What? <laughs> you know, I didn't. I don't want to create a dynamic with any of my instruments wherein they think that they are being, uh, you know, left behind. So I ordered up a guitar case that's a different size than any of my guitars. So none of my guitars fit in this case. And uh, that's my poetry case. Bill so. makes a case for poetry. And that's a direct quote from Alan Hicks <laughs> from our conversation <laughs> this week. But it was a couple of weeks ago where he actually planted that idea in my head. And I told him, I said, I'm going to do it. And I showed him, when I talked to him this week, I showed him the case. And he just absolutely freaked. He was just like, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to believe it. I said, man, you're... One of the things that, that my friends give me is a completely different perspective on anything that I might be struggling with, you know. That's the thing that well, I, I value that most of, about friendships is yeah. that they have a different frame of reference. And if you get them kind of on your wavelength or you, you know, as I don't know, I feel I've got a lot of friends that I've had for a long time. And I feel like the richest person I know when it comes to uh, friends. And... Uh, those people can oftentimes give you a perspective on your own thought process that you wouldn't have been able to get to on your own. And I think that's what Alan did, is he just said, you know, just throw some poetry books in a guitar case. You can still walk in with a case. So I did that on Wednesday. I went to the Cooth Buzzard open mic and took my poetry case. And I got up and I had my little, my little sparklers I said, poetry break, like that. And everybody kind of chuckled. And there was only one person there that knew the reference from the treehouse. Uh, and that was Steve Norris. But anyway, that's a, yeah. that's a, and it's a moving forward. It's a saying, okay, I'm not able to do what I was once able to do. I can do a certain amount of it, but I don't like the idea of trying to play my songs different than the way they are meant to be played. So I would rather not play if I can't play it well. I can so understand that. Being able to play three, maybe four songs well and then do a poetry break and then play a couple more songs and do more poetry, that's, that's the way I see my live performances uh, being able to continue into the future. And that's what I well, want. I don't want to give that up. Because that's I'm, why I find the, this, this card... Yeah. So fascinating because you're seeing this person walking away from the past accumulation, the the accumulation of everything, experience, experiences, and everything, and and they are obviously going to a place they've never been, and it's a mystery where they're going. And I feel like this is what this period of time is about. It's what all of life is, really. It's just that yeah. it's never quite so crystallized as when you're laying down. I mean, laying down your career is a big piece to lay down. I mean, you know, if those cups were scaled to uh, what they refer to, some would be bigger than others. Yeah, that's you know? true. And uh, because life is full of different transitions that, that we go to, you know we go through whether it's adolescence or you know having children or you know getting married or getting divorced or any of these uh, passages that you go through that are emotionally upheavals of one kind or another well and I know I've mentioned this before but 
I'm a person that really likes to observe what you're going through in the threshold. Not me. You know... Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. I like to just, you know, cover my head with a blanket. <laughs> you boy. Wait for it to be over. That's good coffee. That's kind of my way. <laughs> well, it makes me feel when I'm observing it that that you can tell others about it when once they get there too yeah, so that yeah. they aren't it'll be different for them but you can tell your story right. and they will get something from your story whether it's the same for right. them or not right. because i've talked to a lot of people about retirement during this past year or so and and it's really helped me everybody's had a different experience but everybody's experience has helped me with my own journey yeah. and so it's a fascinating time. I think it's one of the most fascinating times I've lived in my life so far. And maybe that always is true, that yeah. you just are more and more fascinated by the things that you're going through right. because you're more and more interested in the fact that you've gone through so much and you're getting closer to the truest mystery that we none of us... <laughs> The uncharted the un, territory. The undiscovered country. The undiscovered country, right. Yeah. But I mean, also, I mean, you can, you if you take the emotional journey and if you allow everything in and you feel it all and stuff like that, then you get to a point where something is opening up in front of you. Right. You know, and suddenly you have this vista in front of you and it's like, wait a minute. You know, this isn't an ending as it is a, as much as, I mean, it's as much a beginning as it is an ending. Well, the, the so. not just a escape from, but a journey to. Right. And I, I think that the, the realization I made this week is that I was not quite ready until this week to cut the cord. Right. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who's experienced that. Mm -hmm. But you have to, when you're in the three-month period, you've got to state it. You've got right. to say, I am going to be gone. Right. And this is... Uh, Especially since you, your role uh, at the university has always been the person who's thinking three to four to five to six months ahead at what the next thing is going to be that's going to be an issue. And you should start preparing for these things now. And, you know, you've made contact with people and say, if you can get this information to me early, this will be a lot easier and right. yada, yada. But now you don't, you can't think past the end of June. Right. So that's a, that's a, an abrupt change in the way your brain, you've trained your brain to work in this job. So it's like, yeah, you don't, you're not. Yeah, there's you, an end. Yeah, all you of can't, all, you can't think past that. And, yeah. You know, and it keeps coming closer and you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Of course it doesn't feel right. <laughs> It's, it's not true. what you've been doing for the last 33 years. That you know? is very true. Yeah. But so. also, I don't know, my my work at the U was not only a job. Yeah. It was a definitely a community of people. Right. And I always felt very proud to work at the university. Still will. I mean, I'll still be very proud to be a retiree of yeah. the university. But... Um, it was, I got to know a lot of people there and, and you kind of feel in a weird way like you're letting them down. But but I never felt that way when people, I certainly was feeling whenever they'd tell me they were retiring, I'd be going, oh my God, oh, you know, yeah, what's going to happen? <laughs> what's gonna happen? Yeah. But at the same time, I never felt like 
they're letting me down because they're retiring, right. you know. So, um, yeah, it's been a momentous week for me in that. It's kind of funny how everybody has different concepts of what would be a momentous week for them. But my my interest being in the realm of emotions um, causes me to feel like this is a momentous week when you have yeah. really made realizations and uh, dealt with some issues that you have previously been hung up on. Right. And I, I finally, once I, I, and I cried a lot uh, during this last week because, and you know, if, if things weren't precious to you, you wouldn't feel no grief. Yeah. And my job has been precious to me and it's done what I wanted it to throughout my life. And now it's time to lay it down. And so I feel grief for it. Yeah. You know, I feel grief to, for the loss, but, but I felt so relieved too. It was just like, okay, now I understand where I am. And and it's also what I've spoken about before, about the mythological circle of age. You have to realize where you are on that chart. And I'm in the, the downward swing, man. And I've got to acknowledge that and, and uh, look towards the next adventure and see what is going to be next in, um, in my journey. Yeah, Bubba. I'm really looking forward to looking. Yeah, Bubba. After I made this realization and <laughs> I was uh, I was spent emotionally. But feeling more celebratory than you did feeling, feeling more celebratory. Yeah. I, I actually had looked up another, um, I, I like to look at different interpretations and different books about the, the cards I pull. And I looked up one... Um, one interpretation and the the interpretation was this is the ultimate should I stay or should I go card. Yeah. So I had to look up the Clash song, should I stay or should I go. Yeah. And then on the side in the recommendations they had Tears for Fears, uh, Shout. And I thought, man, I want to listen to that song. And I was listening to it and I thought... You know, yeah, the that's where these are the things I could do without. Um, but also, it all out. yeah, um, and and also I started listening to a lot of Tears for Fears songs, um, and everybody wants to rule the world. And I thought it was so interesting listening to everybody wants to rule the world, given what's going on globally in the political scheme but also realizing that it all starts with an individual wanting to rule the world and in a way you know this was my little way of ruling the world my world you know and that's what everybody's everybody's got their own little world right so um it gave me a little bit of perspective on uh on my own desires in that way and I just thought that the two songs would be thematically good. Show. 